Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is still hungover from Saturday. I may just be speaking for myself there, but hey. Now, somewhat mixed out the bridge on Saturday, where the before and after was much better than the 90 minutes of football. Uh, clearly, Pep and City were on a mission not to make it four defeats in a row to Chelsea, and as a consequence, outplayed Chelsea by some way. With their aggressive high press, Chelsea were unable to get out of their own half. That said, I think we were good enough for a draw, even if doing that at home is somewhat unedifying. City scored from a somewhat fluky goal, and then Chelsea took the game to City rather belatedly, but City were as good at defending as they had been stifling Chelsea. All in all, a disappointing game, but the one highlight uh, was Ruben Loftus-Cheek's cameo. Could he be the answer to Chelsea's obvious lack of creativity in midfield, or did we just simply miss Mason Mount? At the end of the day, while disappointing to lose to City, this loss will not decide the title race, or indeed the season. And one fact that I can give you that is indisputable, and the title of this show is, Pep is still bald. The Chelsea Fancast, number 839. Now, uh, my, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I now know, I mean, you know, talking of football, you know, we all get kind of promoted or relegated. I've certainly been relegated. I'm no longer the star of the Chelsea Fancast because the star of the Chelsea Fancast, courtesy of his Chelsea fan bites, is, of course, now none other than the one and only, the uh, indefatigable, undisputable king of the two-minute match summary, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. That's all I can do now, Chidge. That's it. I'm just in two minute mode now. So you know, you'll always you'll always be the uh, the the king. You'll always be the man in charge. And I once again, I have to bow down to the great Dan Silver, who was he who came up with the idea of the fan bite. And we had a go at doing twenty minutes, and I was shit. So it was really interesting how I'm good at doing two minutes, but I'm not good at doing anything else. You know but, what? Yeah. I, I said to Paul McAvoy, a lovely bloke from Dublin, who I met at the stall on Saturday. And he was raving about your fan bites. And I said, yeah, mate, it's brilliant, isn't it? Two minutes. But why can't he do that on the fan cast? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I agree. I agree. Oh, great, to right. great to be on the show with uh, with um, lovely couple of guests, as always. So, well done. And they are? And they are. Oh, oh there's the, uh, the, um, the excellent... Uh, um, the knowledge that is Dan Silver, who is just um, goes from strength to strength with his ability to uh, to talk about the team, put me to shame in our our twenty minute chat. Um, never do that, J.K. Oh, I did, you did. Yeah. I always respect my elders, and you know. Yeah, that's what it is. It's the yeah, yes, yeah. That's the way. What I get away with is being very old. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and of course the um, the wit, the dry wit, the uh, the knowledge, the computer knowledge, as we were discussing early, the 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 general um, uh, um, how can I put this the 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 man who is just quietly assessing what is going on and then delivering a a, a bon mot, as they say in France. It's the great Martin Wickham. Cheers. Uh, that's the only French you'll get off of me tonight. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm Means wonder- good word. Means good <laughs> word, Martin. I'm wondering if we're all a bit hungover, Martin. It's the, 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 the least energetic intro to a fan cast I think we've all done for a long time. I know that I'm hungover. Um, it's actually- I'm emotionally hungover, Chick. Emotionally I'm, emotionally, hungover, I'm yeah. emotionally dented by the performance. Yeah. I, I, I'm not hungover, but I, have, I seem to have had one of those 
colds that's going around with mm. because everyone's been locked away for 18 months it's absolutely done 10 rounds of my immune system so i'm still yeah. getting over the, the last of that unfortunately well i i love the serendipity of the random chelsea fan cast scheduling that means that uh certainly martin and dan who uh i was drinking with from at least three o'clock until eight o'clock in the evening on saturday and who are therefore largely responsible for my hangover I just think it's wonderful yeah, we, that you happen to be on. Yeah, we held your mouth open and poured it into you. Yeah, you did. And you, and you yeah. resisted at all. You resisted at all well, times. I mean, you know, the story behind that, which, you know, I won't bore anybody who's listening more than this, but the lovely Brian Wolf from Chelsea Chicago was over, been over for a week or so. And uh, the last time I saw Brian was after the Spurs match when him and Dan, amongst other reprobates, basically ensured that I missed three trains by forcing Guinness on me which uh, was quite funny. And uh, Brian wanted a rematch, so I was determined to, shall we say, hold my own. And Brian actually was weakening well early into the afternoon, as he, as I recall. Um, but I think we decided it was an honourable draw. And I did very, very well until I started to get onto the train when I suddenly realised absolutely how battered I was. How on earth I got home, I don't know. But anyway, that's enough of us. Otherwise, they, they'll start calling us alcoholic yadars. They would, of course, be right, but that's not the point. Uh, anyway... Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to tonight. We've got Dan and Martin and, of course, JK on board tonight. And on the show tonight, uh, we'll ask, were Chelsea poor or City very good? Is a lack of creativity in midfield the key problem? And could Loftus-Cheek be the answer? In part two, we ask if the referee was a factor. I'm sure I've spelt wanker wrong there, but maybe we'll discuss that. Uh, would a draw have been a fair result? And while we worry about the injuries, we applaud the defence for standing out yet again. And in part Should three... It, wasn't it factor? Yeah. Rather than factor. Yeah, 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 yeah indeed. Yeah. I like that. Uh, anyway, in part three, we have the results of this week's fannies for the City match. In fact, if you go to Twitter now, you will find in our Twitter feed um the uh the, the polls in which you can vote so if you want to vote for the guinness moment celery moment and man of the match you can go to twitter and do it now it will shut at eight o'clock so you've got a little bit of time to do that uh we've got a couple of great emails to read out and in part four we're going to look ahead to wednesday night's champions league match away to juventus so there we go so it's pack show as always um and of course don't forget you can listen to the show every monday uh, at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in all the chat with the lovely people there. And there's loads of them there tonight. Brian Justman's in there, Bob Oosere, uh English Dan, uh, Pierre Blew Up North. Uh, oh, no, it's uh, it's um, it's Jonathan. How lovely to see you there. There we go. Uh, Mr. Stick, uh, Pulisic's boyfriend, I believe. And, uh, oh, Chris M's in. And Chris... Chris, lovely to see you. I, I gather from reading a bit earlier that you are suffering from COVID or were suffering from COVID. I'm delighted to hear you've recovered. Uh, but how, how rough that must have been. I, I do sympathise with you. So there we go. A good crowd in Mixler, as there always is. Do come and join them on a Monday night. On that point, uh, I really ought to apologise for uh, the enormous cock-up that was last week. Um, I, I was off to see the specials on Friday, which was very good, by the way. And um, we planned, therefore, to do the Friday night preview show on a Thursday night. We had a great show lined up. Adam Newsom was ready. JK and I were ready. We had David Walker from uh, Red But Never Red, who's a great guest, as we all know. And he was desperately wanting to come on uh, the show and uh, 
call Rudiger the C-word for his assault on Kevin De Bruyne in the Champions League final, and I'd given him written permission to do just that. And uh, there we go. We all got there for 8 o'clock, and bloody Zoom wouldn't work. I couldn't connect to Zoom for life nor money, and then my computer started crashing and saying piss off, basically. So... We were all stuffed, so there's not, not, not nothing I could do. It was out of my control, but I'm very very sorry to disappoint all of you who turned up or who were looking forward to that show, but never mind. Sometimes shit happens, as they say. Right, um, of course, we're at Chelsea Fancast on all the social media, so if you want to get in touch with us there, you know what to do. We will be back in a minute to uh, talk about the City game. There we go. Um, yeah, it's funny. A funny Saturday, really. Um, I mean, I, I was. I, I thought we. Uh, I thought we kind of. Uh, I thought we kind of got the team pretty much spot on. Actually, what we would have done had we done the show on Thursday. I mean, the first question, J.K. I mean, I'm going to read you this. This was from Jonathan Norcroft in the Telegraph, um, and I'll give you a bit of background about it because I, I'm, I'm, I've talked to a lot of you lot in the pub. Martin will certainly remember this. But I heard everybody, every, not necessarily people in the pub, but I heard a lot of people moaning, saying, oh, we were really shit, we were really shit, we were awful. And I really didn't think that. I thought, actually, City were bloody excellent. But this, I thought, was a brilliant quote that pretty much captures everything that happened, really. And it's, uh, given that Tuchel had won his pr- three previous games versus City by defending and counter-attacking, it is not that the tactic in itself was wrong. The fault was taking it too far. Only after introducing Kai Havertz and Ruben Loftus-Cheek did Tuchel uh, balance defending and attacking adequately and get his team up the pitch enough to support his strikers. But the change of emphasis came too late. But JK, were we poor, poor, or were City rather good on Saturday? I thought it was a combination of the two, Chidge. I thought we were um, uh, inadequate in our ability at getting the ball up front. I didn't understand why it took them so long. It took Mondi so long to take a long free kick. They kept playing it out from the back all the time. And because their pressing was so fabulous, um, we we were just stifled completely. But I still thought that you could have just stretched it because when you do the press, you've got to spend all your time um, leaving defensive holes because you're pressing so far up the pitch. So uh, it just needs a couple of decent boots down the pitch and um, and with anybody with any speed is actually going to get there in front and put a put pressure on as happened with um with Werner on a couple of occasions and, and he's quick enough to deal with it but um, um we seem to be a bit um just under the cosh too much to actually think properly I mean they did play magnificently but I just felt that all we needed was a couple of moments to have escaped from the the strangulation that was going on and they wouldn't have been so keen on getting that far forward. And I thought we could surely have won, uh, of one of surely have scored on the break at least a couple of times just by, you know, in the end, it's just playing the long ball and running after it because they can't cover all of that defensive, all that expanse. So, um, 
uh, but they were phenomenal. They, he, he, uh, I think it was the match of the day said Rodri was great. Right. I thought Silva was completely magnificent and, uh, and skillful and ran the game, but they snuffed everything out. Well, my, my major despair about it was they made um, the, the players who we have suspicions about in that situation um, pl- be, look completely inadequate. So Alonso, um, not having an opportunity to get into his, fa- his favourite position to have a shot. No, they, they pinned him back. They pinned, they pinned him back, him back completely, yeah. completely. And the same with Jorginho, who wasn't really on top of it. And we discovered that Conte wasn't actually fit enough to be playing. I think he had a virus or something. Yeah. But um, I think in should he have changed it earlier? We all thought that um, Havertz would come on for Werner because I thought Werner had a terrible game. Um, but in the end... Um, I thought they were they were absolutely excellent, but there should have been ways to deal with it. And we defended wonderfully for the for that period. I mean, that was a shame that they actually scored with that awful scuffed shot because you knew then it was going to be difficult unless we changed the way of playing, which we did. So we we but I felt we reacted in the wrong way. We should have reacted earlier to the way they were playing and seemed incapable of getting out of that that rut. Mm, Dan, you were keen to come in then. Yeah, I just, I just thought really, really impressed with City. They pressed us, they suffocated us. And our biggest issue was such a huge gap between sort of our midfield and the attack. So if the ball was knocked up long to Lukaku, no one's there to pick up second balls. Invariably, they seemed to go long to Timo, not to Lukaku. Quite a few times, Mendy was hitting the ball long to Werner, where shipping and down the middle to Lukaku. But listen, you've got to put your hands up. City were a really good side. They're completely isolated up front too. They had a really good game. You know, don't recall their keeper making any saves. Um Put the referee, which you mentioned earlier, I don't think he did no, much. We'll talk about we have a single shot, Dan. We didn't yeah. have a single no, shot. One. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah, I just think, as you say, Rodri just completely controlled that defensive part of midfield and still we're just making runs from deep and just... Well, Mendy, uh, Mendy kept in the game two or three really good saves. Mm. And yeah, but well, sometimes you've got to admit, you know, City got, got, got the number on us this time. I think they did, actually. I mean, I'll talk about that at the end of part two to kind of summarise the whole thing up, really. But Martin, I I, I thought, just to kind of pick up on what these two boys were saying, and actually, I think Tuchel made this point very, very well in his, I think, excellent presser afterwards, as he often is. But he he said that they they lacked the uh kind of confidence or or the or the really the the motivation to take risks and i think the point he was trying to make was if you've got as jonathan was saying if you've got a side that's going to press that aggressively which they did i mean two three men on on our defense and our penalty area sometimes you do have to take a risk to 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 get out of it and and they they seem to be unwilling to do that do you think that was an, an element in it yeah and i think that some of that may be down to the you know, time of the season. There's a big difference between playing a, a Champions League final and taking a risk on playing over the top. And five, six games into a league season, we've got loads of time to make up the difference in points. I mean, I was disappointed by the game on Saturday, but I tried not to get too downbeat about it. I, I personally think the difference was Mason Mount. The the link between midfield and attack wasn't there. And we ended up with, you know, Gunnar Kante, God bless him. But when he's the one trying to make the defence splitting pass from midfield, we've got a problem. Mm. He can do a lot of things and he can certainly try that. But with the best one in the world, that's not the strongest part of his game. But that's what he was trying to do. Um, yeah, so I think, I think there was a little bit of a... They were a little bit more shy than they were for the, you know, the FA Cup semi-final, the Champions League final, or even the, you know, the, the pointless league game 
in May where we, you know, snuck a 2-1 win by accident. <laughs> but, um, um, and I think the situation of the game on Saturday was markedly different to the situation of the others. So yeah, Definitely, definitely. Dan, you're on mute, mate. I mean, Liverpool dropping points, United dropping points was great. I think, you know, if you asked us after, what, seven games in now, eight games in, we'd be very happy where we are. Yeah. You know, we've gone to Liverpool very hard away game. It's gone to Spurs and one, gone to Arsenal one. I think where we are is is a great start of the season. Yeah, yeah, well, indeed. And but I hate losing, mate. But I think I think Martin Martin picks up on a really good point there, you know, because and actually Tuchel got asked this in the presser. I mean, you know, did he get the tactics wrong? Did he get the selection formation wrong? And he was well, I'm not really sure. Maybe I'll look at myself. But the reality is, he said in the presser afterwards, funny enough, that they went five three two, not three. Uh, five two, which is what we we might have thought, but the reality is, you know, Martin's absolutely spot on. You know, there is a there is an issue that we we all know about. We've spoken about it for a, a long time, and it does get exposed when you play against a really really good side. And City, I think, are a really really good side who are also hugely motivated. But you know, Kante, um, Kovacic, and Jorginho are basically defensive midfielders, and I think to add to that issue. Um, I think Jorginho in particular, under that kind of pressure, became quite risk averse and moved the ball far too slowly. I mean, I was, I mean, I had a bit of a weird experience. I'm sure I talked to you, a couple of you boys about this afterwards. I actually got up out of my seat uh, for the second half and stood at the back in the little kind of platform behind where I sit because I needed, I was really angry and I was particularly angry with the referee, but uh, I, I, I really got steamed up and got well into it, uh, which I quite enjoyed. But, I mean, it was so obvious that uh, the number of times they could have tried to go forward, and, you know, as I was saying, they were a bit risk-averse, and it went backwards, was incredibly frustrating. And what they needed to do to beat that press was to move it a lot quicker. But the, but the issue really, JK, I think, is, you know, the same old problem they've had for a while, which got ruthlessly exposed. There was no link between defence and attack, and we, don't ha- we weren't playing creative midfield players or a midfielder who could do that. And that's, I think that didn't help us break the press, I have to say. I mean, well, I think, as Dan said, I think the uh, uh, Ivy Mason Mount playing was, yeah. a, was a huge blow. And also Reese getting injured. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, because they're both in positions where they could um, uh, influence that connection with, the, uh, with up front. Um, but I, I, I got slightly worried about just tactically how he was dealing with it i i i i i fear once again i i'll keep going on about this that that they are slightly they've become slightly lukaku orientated through having them up front um uh, which is rightly so and i think he'll score lots of goals but i wonder whether having the false nine makes the whole setup slightly more creative and i think that would be with havertz and i think um havertz should have played from the beginning and uh, and possibly not Lukaku. I mean, there was a theory I was reading about on the on Twitter today that you don't play Lukaku for this kind of elite game. You bring him on as a as a kind of shock uh, with twenty minutes to go, shock center center forward because um, uh, he he possibly is uh, slightly flat track. You know, we've been talking about that before. He did on a couple of occasions. He attempted to control the ball, and because he had three men round him, he clearly was was upset by it and the ball bounced off his leg and you thought hang on you're supposed to be controlling the ball better than this you're a hundred million um 
hundred million centre forward. Just come in. I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm, I'm not going to blame him in, entirely because I mean, if you've got, if you're playing it, that, the way that that game worked out, you know, City pressed very, very high. We had effectively, you know, well, we had Lukaku and a winger, Werner up front. So you know, he had two very, very good. I mean, Laporte and Diaz played very, very well. They were up his ass the whole game. So he had absolutely no space. But I don't think he had any help either. Because Werner's runs were of the headless chicken variety, as a as a surprise, and uh, and, no, and and as I said, nobody was linking up from from midfield to attack either to join it. I mean, Tuchel actually said, "If I can find this, come back to me, and I'll and I'll you you carry on, and I'll find this quote." Oh, here we I was go. I, say, I found it. Midfield but aren't they? They're not that far away in that situation. It's not as if there's an acre of space between them. They're they're they've still got the ball. They just didn't use it very well. They didn't play either of them in. Yeah. But I yeah. think we've. I think part of the reason being, you've given me this opportunity to speak about it, I think we should, you know, we're, how long before we actually come to the conclusion that, that Werner just does not work? Regardless, he cannot just be given an opportunity, an excuse being he creates great space and is quick. You know, but I, he, but uh, he did, that's the point. He didn't for Lukaku, because if you, if you, what you should have had, again, was more, you know, two, almost kind of one, one behind the other or side by side, so that Lukaku attracts players like flies around shit and that gives space to the other guy to exploit but it didn't work listen to what Tuchel said Jake I found the quote he says I don't think it's necessary to talk about Romelu's struggle today when we reached Romelu the attack was already half over as there was not enough people not enough belief and connection so the team was the problem not the individual so to translate what he's saying was exactly that there was nobody close enough to him to either help him or, or exploit any space that he had created by having the defenders on him and I fell for him with that. But I agree, it, you know, what he's saying, nobody was getting up the pitch in support because you only had Lukaku and Werner. Nobody from the midfield was getting up. They had Alonso and then Aspie pinned back. So it was, I mean, you know, they got it tactically spot on, I have to say. However, however, people, I've got to say, I thought it was very interesting. I mean, obviously, we went we went down, didn't we, Martin, to a spawny... I thought it was quite a fluky goal, really. I mean, you know... To be really honest, and actually, I felt we'd contained them quite well, as well. Oh, we but, were brilliant, Chidge. We yeah. defended brilliantly. No, I, exactly. Oh, I mean, the defence were absolutely superb. So it was a really yeah. unfortunate yeah. goal to give away. But um, when we did go behind, you know, we did change. We upped it a bit. But I thought, I thought Ruben Loftus Cheek. Now, I I didn't see. You know, I saw the Villa game on a stream, and the next day I saw everybody, and it was a bit of a weird stream because I had, I was watching it on an Arabic channel and listening to Talk Sports Radio commentary which was two minutes ahead which i found very discombobulating yes i know i but, would have felt i would have thought the arabic commentary would have made more sense than well like you hear on talk it, sports, it, that may well have been the better option in hindsight but uh what i'm really trying to say in a very long-winded way is that i didn't really i didn't really you know see the game properly as it were and then i saw everybody raving about ruben the next day and i thought oh i wasn't entirely convinced he was that good but then I saw him again on Saturday and I thought Jesus actually he was good he, he looked really good he looked like one midfielder who could actually you know be a six as, as Thomas Tuchel likes to say but also bring the ball out and beat people you know which he did on several occasions he looked good is he the answer maybe Martin well he certainly he's brought himself back into the question now hasn't he I mean the Villa thing it was tempered with the fact Villa had made a lot of changes. He came on late. There's probably a little bit of time, but he did look impressive. Then when he came on against City and he started doing 
near enough the same things in terms of getting the ball, beating a player, making a forward run, looking like a threat rather than, you know, hanging around and passing sideways, which is unfortunately what Jorginho and Kovacic were doing a lot of yesterday, um, some Saturday, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I if this gives Ruben Loftus-Cheek a ch- another chance to get back into the, make himself a first team factor again, um, I look forward to it. And it's, I don't think, <laughs> I don't know if this is, you know, something we sh- shouldn't, we shouldn't be writing players off with Thomas Tuchel in charge because we do see them coming back into the team sometimes when you least expect them. Mm, very true. Dan? Yeah, I was going to say, well, I think Lots of Sheet gives us that strength, height and physicality midfield, which we lack. Because, you know, Co- you know, Jorginho's quite lightweight. Kovic can look after himself. But Ruben being, what, six foot plus and real specimen. He's got a decent athlete. shot as well, Dan, hasn't he? Yeah. But I just think something about Ruben just gives the, that bit of, driving forward, as, as Martin said, you know, giving the ball, he'll drive forward. He holds people off, he's strong, he's big. And yeah, listen, if he, and he, keep forward, and, and he keeps running. So yeah. where he, where Kovacic would break, break the lines, beat one or two players, he'd stop. Ruben off the chief would keep, would keep going. And mm. that's certainly my, my recollection of his time when he started to look really good under Sarri was that he would continue the forward runs into the box. And the ball would come bigger, back to him. Think, and, Martin, he's beginning yeah, to look- back yeah. to what he was, the size that he was. I felt he went through a period last year with Fulham where he was still a kind of diminished um, yeah. player in terms, just in terms of his physique. He Whereas looked a unit asking, on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. it was impressive. I mean, I, I don't want to go completely... I'm, I'm just worried about what permutations you start using now in the side. Because... Uh, uh, well, I think with so, so many games between now and Christmas and we're, yeah. we are starting to get a one or two silly little injuries here and there. Yeah. He's, he's going to be involved. So it's certainly good to have better to have him back in this condition and seemingly confidence than he, than he had a couple of years ago. He, he looked much more uh, robust in the challenge, you know, and I, what I used to, I mean, you're right, Martin, when he played that, that season, he really finally kind of broke through, I suppose. I mean, he scored about 12 goals that season as well, didn't he? But, um, you know, peop, I used to love watching him play because people would bounce off him. He's a, he was a real unit. And then, when he came back after the injury, he did lose a lot of weight, I think. He suffered atrophy, didn't he? Yeah, he did, didn't he? And and he just didn't look that robust. But yesterday, he looked a unit again, and, and, and people were bouncing off him. And I thought, hello, he's back. Yeah. And it's something you've said as well about a player coming back from a serious injury and having to yeah. face the first serious challenge, going yeah. in for it. And maybe it's taken him a bit more time than he expected, but... Um, Hopefully, he's got that mental hurdle out of the way as well. Yeah, well, it's the same could be said for Hudson Odoi, I suppose, as well. I mean, uh, J.K. made a really good point there about well, where, 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 you know, what do we do? And I, you know, I think this is always the way, isn't it? With and this is why I love the Premier League as well. Actually, I, you have to be honest and say that when a team does very well playing a certain way, other teams are really, really good at trying to to uh to to counter it i mean and we've been talking about it a lot this season haven't we 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 had that chat the other week was well what is chelsea's weakness villa tried to exploit it did quite well and then tuchel changed it spurs did the same and then tuchel changed it and so far what he's done is he's put three in midfield so i'm wondering if that's where we're heading that we we you know we we basically have to bolster the midfield with men but also a mix of defensive midfielders and more creative and attacking midfielders because you can't be fucking playing three defensive midfielders because there's just no creativity. 
But the other issue, Jonathan, as you and I have been going on about for a while as well, is exactly the point you made. You know, last season we played very, very well with no striker, ironically, because we had these three players up front, all of whom could interchange quite happily, and that made it really hard for the opposition because they didn't have anybody to pick up. And if we're going to play Lukaku, we've also got to find a system that will make him work. And I I think, you, you, you know, if you play him in a two with another striker effectively, but with also midfielders that are going to go up the pitch and wing-backs who are going to deliver balls in, you're going to get a lot more joy. And I don't think he's really tried that yet. And I think Havertz, Havertz could be the answer to that. Play him up front with Havertz, but stick a, a Loftus cheek in midfield or a mount, or even just play one defensive midfielder and play both of them. If, if you're playing with wing-backs, you've still got five in defence effectively if you need it. So anyway... I'm not. I'm not. I haven't got my UA for UA for license. I could be talking bollocks, <laughs> no, obviously. No, me neither. And I'm sure I'm talking bollocks. But I, I, I'm. I, we have to remember, of course, that the not having the the striker who could put the ball away meant that the highest goal scorer was Jorginho with the penalties. So that exactly. was the problem. So, um, but I'm. I, I. I think he needs. I think he's searching for the right combination at the moment, knowing that they're all elite players. You know, that's the that's the positive behind it. You know. So the bottom line is we lost 1-0 to a very, very good Man City side. The rest of our performances during this year, Liverpool are 10 men. We can live yeah, with these teams. We have, I you know. Well, I, don't, I think the defence is fantastic. Yeah. It's just that it's what it's midfield and making getting yeah. the best out of the what possible permutation of strikers there are. I think that's the thing. You know, Zayic isn't doing it, doesn't quite know what position to be in. Pulisic is injured. Um, Werner to me is we you know I mean where, how how much opportunity you, you don't like Werner do you? Funnily enough, I had no idea. Uh, did, 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 but have I been subtle with it? You, you think? So yeah. subtle. Why out of left field, J.K. Literally. Yeah, I know. Weird, isn't it? I know, <laughs> yeah, you, I know. You've, but, you've hit it quite well. It must be so. Uh, thank you very much. I've tried, but you I've hit it out of the park like he. I does. noticed that um, that Clayton is now on my side. Oh, no, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. You've turned the meek, mild-mannered Clayton. <laughs> how dare you? That's a that's that's bullying. That is. I know I've ruined it for him. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, just picking up on on another point, uh, Martin or, or Danny or, or or whichever one of you want to come in. Do do you think? I mean, I've had this theory for a long time, and and I'm and I know I'm going to name drop here and sound like a right prune, but there you go. I happen to have a chat with Kerry Dixon on Sunday, and we were talking about this, and I'm adamant that that Mason Mount's real position is as an eight. No, he's not a ten in my book. But I think he's genuinely got the energy, the dynamism, the ability to understand the game, to read danger, to be able to play, to be a box-to-box midfielder, to get back and, and help out, but also to get up and create. And I think we know he can score goals. I know he hasn't scored enough, but we know he's capable of it. So I think, you know, that's a natural position for him. I don't know who wants that one, Martin or Dan. Do you think he's got a role to play there? Absolutely. I mean, you just saw how blunt we were at times without him on Saturday. Um I've said, said it for a while that people who are slagging off Mason Mount on social media clearly don't get professional football. They don't know ball, as they might say. They just don't know their arse on their fucking elbow. Is, what is, that, is that fuck ball? Yeah, <laughs> retard ball, more like. I have no idea what it is, but you know, let's get back to the English language. These fucking idiots don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, he, we missed the link, the link play on Saturday. It's patently obvious. We tried to work around it as best we could and we almost got away with it but we didn't so absolutely Mason Mount has a role to play I don't think he's a I, I think he's, they've tried to play him as a six and it didn't really work no, no. So he's not a six eight, eight is his natural 
a natural position where he just links midfield and attack and and that means we're going to have to have three in midfield. I mean, you know, if you remember when Frank played for Chelsea, he played on the right of a three most of his career for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I don't see why Mount can't do that. And that means you've got a choice, really. I mean, you either have a you 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 could have George, you know, if you accept that you either have Jorginho or Kante as the as the six, uh, then you then or, or you could have well, Jorginho would be the most natural choice, obviously. But you either have Kante on the left, Mount on the right. Kovacic on the left, Mount on the right. I mean, you know, there are lots of permutations there, and I think it's eminently doable. And I still think if he's playing three at the back and he's playing wing backs, you know, most of the time he's playing wing backs, he's playing Alonso, who's a defend. I mean, I know that he can't defend, but you know what I mean. He's, you know, okay, Alonso's weird, so maybe we shouldn't really <laughs> pigeonhole him at all. But, you know, Dave, as, as Biliqueta is not an attacking wing back, really. He's a defense, he's a right back, you know. So I still think that you, you defensively, you're covered if you do that. I'd, it'd be interesting to see what he does. Look, talking of two... Also, just one, one, yeah, one last sorry, thing. Sorry, mate, go I on. Think, I, no, no, I, think, I don't think that um, Kante was... I know he was really under pressure. I don't think he was fit enough. Yeah, I he agree. Did, well, Tuchel said he, that. Yeah, he didn't quite yeah. have the game that we we, we... we You rely heavily on him playing out of his skin and then being two of him, yeah, and it yeah. wasn't... It wasn't happening. He was, he was they, mortal on, uh, on Saturday was rather huge, than superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, he, I think, as you said, he had a virus, didn't he? He'd been ill all week. Yeah. Jorginho, yeah. Uh, you know, got a knock, apparently. Um, Reese James went off injured too, which is unfortunate. We're going to talk about injuries in part two, so I'm, not, I'm going to say no more about it now. But what I am going to do to finish up on this here apart is, uh, again, actually, you know, applaud Thomas Tuchel. I mean, this is different from the one I had in the pub in the Atlas after the game, and I was very impressed with that, as Martin knows, because I showed him. But I thought his comments after the match were absolutely spot on. He nailed it. You know, we played brilliantly in the last 20 metres and very bang average in the in the other 80. He's absolutely honest to a fault, this guy. And, you know, but also he, he, he took, you know, he's taking responsibility for it. He's not digging anybody out. He's taking responsibility for it. And, I have nothing but good words to say about him, Dan. Yeah, take, <clears throat> unlike Joe, say he blame everybody else. He took my fault. I picked the wrong team. He's done it a couple of times this season where he's got things wrong. But no, honest assessment. It just gets better and better each week. And again, it's how we react. You know, Juventus and Southampton could look very differently by next week. But uh, Tuchel's very smart, great man manager. I think. I think he, you know. Who knows? Looking forward to being sacked in 14 months' time. Well, don't do that to me, Dan. I've fallen in love with him again. Um, right. Um, we are we are about to go for a break. Before we do, quick uh, couple of plug-a-roonies. Uh, talking to Frank Lampard, actually, the first uh, thing to talk about is another Football Prizes competition, which is, in fact, a chance to win a signed and framed Frank Lampard shirt in this week's Football Prizes draw. Uh, tickets are five ninety five each, and the draw ends this Wednesday, the 29th of September, and if you want to enter this, uh, go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product hyphen, sorry, product forward slash Frank hyphen Lampard. Now, there are 99 tickets available. They've already sold about 42. So you've only got about 50 tickets left. So don't wait. If you want to have a chance to win a Frank Lampard t-shirt and buy a ticket for 5.95 or even several tickets, then go and do it because they won't sell any more than that. But you might miss out if you don't hurry up. So as Dave Johnson would say... Hurry up. Uh, it's only five ninety five. That doesn't quite work, but you get my point. Uh, now, talking of uh, DJ, um, of course, the CFC UK is very much open for business, or the stall is. Um, I had a lovely time there on Saturday. Saw Marco, Dave, 
uh, Pete Trenter and Lizzie, Paul McAvoy, Chuckles, amongst many others. It was great to see everybody there. Um, and uh, yeah, so there'll be I think there'll be a new one out fairly soon because I think the deadline's this week for for next month. But anyway, if you want to. If you can't get to Fulham Broadway and actually buy a copy, you can actually subscribe and get them sent in the post to you. And if you do that in the UK, it's going to cost you 16 quid. Individual copies are two quid each. Uh, and you have to email, uh, you have to basically pay by PayPal and uh, send it to fanzine at CFC UK. You can also do this in your if you're in Europe and it's uh, 35 quid and the rest of the world is 45 quid. But for you lot, you might find it cheaper to do it by a digital subscription, which means you get uh, a PDF copy uh, emailed to you uh, and for that it'll cost you six quid a season with individual copies being one pound each and again the address to send your email address or your paypal payment is still fanzine at cfcuk.net right now when we come back uh, after this here break we uh, we're going to be talking well i'm going to have a bitch about the referee because it wouldn't be I'll, a fa- I'll join in with you yeah it I'll wouldn't be a fan cast he he got me i was i mean i lost my shit i was dropping f and c bombs all over the place but it was really good i needed to get angry i think i needed to get thursday night out of my system properly so really i should be thanking that prat of a referee michael oliver for allowing for facilitating that really but we'll be talking about that um well, I think I'll also ask would a draw have been a fair result. Uh, we need to give the defence a bit of a big up again. Uh, we're going to talk about the injury concerns with a few knocks picked up, and uh, I will be explaining why uh, this was City's Cup final, so we shouldn't really worry. But all of that will come after this here break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is uh, the Chelsea Fancast. Obviously, I am Stamford Chidge, even more obviously, and uh, perhaps less obviously, but probably just as much obviously, I'm with Jonathan Kidd. Hello, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, is that your pet poop Guardiola impersonation? I don't know who it is. Perhaps mm. it's Sari. No, Sari would be more like that, wouldn't he? Because um, I'm beginning to look like Sari, apparently. Oh, you don't, um, knew you'd take that to heart. No, I haven't taken <laughs> it to heart. I replied. Have you, got a, have, you got, have you got a massive falcon on your arm? <laughs> Peter Laurie, <laughs> love it. Uh, if you, Peter Laurie was more like that. That was Peter Laurie. If, if you saw the picture of Sari over the weekend, you'd get that reference. So would I? Okay, okay. Yeah. Can I just say, Chidge, one second? Yep. Um, the aim is to is to sell a few of my father's books at the stall uh, next uh, next weekend. Oh, brilliant! You doing signed copies? Yeah, if people want me to yeah. sign it, you know, it's it, I, I can't do a, 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 a forgery of my dad's signature, so I'll just have to put um, uh, I'll just have to put Jonathan Kidd in brackets. Son of, just like Mr. Kid, and it's ambiguous. So you're gonna you're gonna sign it, son of Sam. Well, yeah, I was thinking that. Good one, I like that. I like that. Yeah, Yes, I could do that. I could do that. But anyway, yeah, take a few books on. There've been some people interested. um, People saying they'd like to to get a copy. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll take about six along. See if I can flog them. Yeah. Um, The Marco and uh, DJ have said they'd be very happy with that. So if anybody wants and listening wants a copy of my dad's book, um, it's nineteen. 45 to 52 it's about his uh his career um starting off as an actor it's quite it's funny he's a funny writer and um i've edited bits and pieces put some other stories in it and it uh it seems to work well so, apparently daryl daryl middleditch has just started reading it 
Has he? Yeah, according Good to Mixler. Yeah. Thank you. Are you finding it okay, Daryl? Tell me. There you can go. write the first first review. Yeah. Where it's else? A can, of can, shit. Where Robert? else can one purchase it, mate? Uh, as yet, as of yet, nowhere other than on um, uh, Talking Pictures TV uh, uh, on her website. The woman who runs it. It's available there because um, I've given her some copies, but I'm getting a delivery of 800 this week. So I'll then be in a position to put it on a Sam Kid website that I'm making. Yeah. And there should be an Amazon outlet, but that won't be for a few weeks okay. yet. But um, no, it'll be, I can post it to people ultimately. So as long as they give me a postal order or they um, they pay me via, that'll be, there'll be a, a link on the website how to pay me. So, and uh, how much is it? It's fourteen ninety five. Fourteen ninety five. Well, there you go. And uh, Daryl says it's very good. Oh, sweet. Well, there you go. Thank you, mate. Thank Lovely. you. Lovely. Uh, now, I'll so quote him. Can I quote him? You can. It's Thank that, you. Uh, the, the precise quote. It's V good. All right. Sweet. So that, that could mean vegan good or anything really. Uh, yeah. Apparently, hang on and getting more. Uh, Daryl says he loved the story of his new teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, don't tell them. You'll, they'll have to read the book. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, as well as uh, Jonathan Kidd, who is now a voice, art, voice, uh, voice, voice over artiste, uh, Chelsea fan cast star tr- attraction, uh, star of Chelsea fan bite, uh, actor. He's also now author. We can add to that very long and distinguished list. And, and Chelsea book publisher. Fan. And book, book publisher. publisher. Okay. There we go. All right. So we've also got the lovely Dan. Good Dan, evening, all. Dan in his playroom with the numbers behind him so he can learn how to count. Yeah, you see the alphabets over there as well. Okay, yeah, I and mean, we normally get the alphabets. quite nice to have a different yeah. perspective to get the numbers this week. And the yeah. absolutely delightful Martin Wickham, who I had the pleasure of getting, as uh, uh, Rowley Barkin might say, very, very, very drunk with on Saturday. Evening, Aiden. Um, still hungover, but uh, <laughs> it was worth it, mate. It was, as you said earlier on, it was needed. Uh, now, what was needed on Saturday was a decent referee, but of course, that's impossible when Chelsea play. Um, you know, as I said, I, I, I don't know why. I needed to get up, standing up, and shouting ranty things at people on Saturday, so I didn't need much of an excuse. But I've got got to say, I shall ask our resident referee this one. But I, I, this is this is my complaint. Jonathan, this is my case for the prosecution. Yes. Uh, the first thing that really pissed me off was the number of times uh, city fouls in their half were ignored, which then went on to be a city counter-attack, was just beyond coincidence. Uh, the number of times Chelsea players were booked when city players hadn't been booked for exactly the same infraction. And the other thing, absolutely no VAR checks to my knowledge, although they could have been doing it secretly, um, and, I mean, they may have been tenuous, but I thought we were in for a shout for a penalty or two. I thought I think it was either Dave or Silver who went flying in the box. Well, yeah, actually two, weren't they? Silver went flying in the box. Nothing at all. Aspie got hammered in the box. Nothing at all. I just thought it was all a bit fishy, mate. Well, Chidge, I think this is the... Um... The, uh, the way they're now applying VAR to every single game which is they're trying to give the referee the power back. So um, they all seem to do this big gesture, don't they, of when they, 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 they do their hands in front as if they're wiping something to say, no, no, nothing there, nothing at all. It's a big, you know, no, I'm not having that. No, I'm not having that, which seems therefore in their mind to say, I've made the decision on field and I don't really need to have VAR making the check. And 
Um, the consequence of that is that the power has gone back with the referee and lots of the players are now chasing the referee to ask him to apply VAR. And if he runs away quickly enough, nothing actually happens, whether it's in his ear. But once again, we I would like this to be so transparent that we hear VAR making the check because that's what happens in rugby and that's what happens in cricket. That's what happens. We are part of it as opposed to the referee making the decision and not being taken to taken to account really for it. And and that it seems to me that it's gone the other way now. And I agree with you completely, Chidge. There were several possible penalty um, of, of um, situations where, uh, where nothing happened. All he did, Oliver, was just run away, shaking his head. And um, I think he, I think the idea is that if you run away quickly enough and the game takes over, then uh, the players won't then come to you and say, what about that at the other end? Um, and it means that the game doesn't stop because there's no VAR check. So the check is done while the referee is going down the other end of the pitch. And in many instances, if the ref says, uh, no, I'm not having anything to do with that. I think his crony in um, in Brockley says, uh, OK, let's keep going unless it's absolutely glaringly obvious. But there were several fouls that um, and as you say, it, it, it seemed to happen that that um, Alonso got chopped. Werner on a couple of occasions didn't just fall over. He was fouled and was ignored completely. And I, I just felt there was a almost prejudice there from Oliver who thought, I know him, he falls over a lot. I'm not going to go for that. And whereas last season, every single foul would be checked by VAR. I got the impression that they just weren't bothering. I've been, I've been seeing this pattern in many, many other games as well that I've watched. It's, it's almost as if they're happy to supposedly keep the game flowing. But what I think is happening is it means they're not bothering with a VAR check unless it's, unless it's very contentious. And so it just keeps... It, it, it's supposed to, I think the power is supposed to go back into the hands of the referee again with those on-field decisions. The lunacy of having um, a goalkeeper push the ball around the post and the referee gives a goal kick and you can't check up on it because the, this, it's no, no, it's the referee making the on-field decision, which to me is absolutely absurd. If you've got a camera on it, you see the ball being pushed around the post, you give the, you give the corner. So I think the powers return to the referee and it looked very similar to every kind of game pre-VAR to me, which is that the referee made a decision. It's my decision. The players chase him down the pitch. It, he almost says, just get on with the game. Meanwhile, the opposition almost score because yeah, you are, yeah. you're around him. And I feel that that's what we've got back into. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, just I don't think corners are ever part of the VAR set up. I think no, 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 they're not. They're not. They're not. I'm saying yeah, they're not. Point. So they, they ought to be. Ball. They ought to be. Yeah, but then, then the whole game just... I, I, no, 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 it wouldn't be the whole game. It's, it's, no, it's a second. You've got corners, you've got to do goal kicks, you've got to throw... No, 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 it's a second, Dan. It's it an absolute second. It would take no more than 15 pushes... seconds to check a deflection. It's what? takes what? It would take no more than 15 seconds to Exactly, it would be less than that. You can see it. If the guy's watching the game, he sees the deflection. Right, he says to the referee, it's a corner. No question problem. Sure. Okay, do you prefer football now, as it is with very little VAR, or last season, it was just such a shit show? Well, no, I don't, I, I, I don't I want, prefer watching my defender getting fucking headlocked in his own box trying to, trying to jump. No, I, I get that, but <laughs> it's a general, general yeah. overview right now. What's better? The VAR... I, I, think, I, I think they've got it wrong again. They've gone the other way, for me. Yeah, the I, I think, I think he, each method reveals its own problems. Yeah. I mean, for me... It, sorry to, to butt in, boys, because I was enjoying that little rant between you all. It's quite nice to be able to sit back and have a puff of me vape. But... Yeah. Uh, 
for me, Dan, the big problem is fucking referees getting the fucking decisions wrong all the time. That's what pisses me off. That pisses me off more than anything. They're incompetent. That's a problem. They don't want to get each other into trouble. What we need is independent people that are doing it. Or just some some sort of bullshit. I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) I I just think, like they have in a lot of sports, they just say, right, stop, this is what's going on. Takes 10 seconds for somebody to be saying, we're checking for... Because you can't see the boards saying checking for handball. You don't know what's going on. No. Just communicate with get today's NH, mic the referees up. Yeah, absolutely. Another way of doing it is doing what they did initially in cricket, which was to have a have a foreign referee coming in. Premier League's a, a, elite stuff. But not so, an Aussie. Yeah. Yeah, no, not, not, actually, no, <laughs> well, did like the NFL, where they go, yeah. right, foul, Man City oh. number six, whatever. The NFL is great because the teams are there making all the decisions and it's instantly on and you hear exactly what is being done. I love all of that. They would yeah. say it slows it down. I, you know, if it becomes... It, I mean, listen, I think to point... It becomes the fat part of the fabric of the game, it works, you know? The NFL is a lot more stop, start, stop, start. You can have True. delays. But if there's a referee who might have said, right, handball, no. And the other thing really pissed me off was when there was a handball midfield when the referee pointed knees to hand. Yes, that was exactly what happened to Reese James. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's exactly what happened in the FA Cup final with the Leicester yeah. goal. Exactly. And he should do a massive gesture with his hands, yeah. I think. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's he's got it completely wrong, Oliver, that decision. I'm, I'm disappointed because he used to be one of my favourites when he when he, he sent Herrera off, you know, before because he'd said that there were too many fouls going on. I thought, this is a really advanced ref. He understands the laws and yeah. the application. He seems to have fallen back into that, the same cronyism, the same trap that yeah. everybody is And is I in. think that's the problem, JK. It's the cronyism, isn't it? Because I think, you know, I mean, we all love our cricket here. Uh, but like Martin, in, in, in cricket, um, if the umpire gets it wrong, you know, there's no kind of, uh, you know... I mean, they don't have a problem saying you got it wrong or you got it right when they do a review of a decision. The umpire yeah, just accepts that he is fallible and he moves on. Why is it that our referees and their arrogance seem to think they're beyond reproach? Because we made fucking celebrities of the pricks, that's why. Mm. Why the fuck is Mike Dean some sort of celebrity? He's a ref. Why, you know, why is, you know, why is he an internet meme? Because he, like, you know, he's supporting fucking Tranmere, allegedly. We have made these referees into celebrities. They started believing their own hype. That odious wanker Mark Clattenburg fucking surfaced last week, claiming Mikel Root, John Obi Mikel ruined his life. Could have done Fuck. if it could have done if they'd have let him in the dressing room. Well, yeah, I mean, I think which they had. A, yeah, it, it would have been a much more amusing story. But yeah, they, they there's no humility among, amongst it. The VAR refs are in line for the jobs on the pitch, so. They can't mug off a superstar referee by saying you've dropped the bollock there, check that again. So what's the point? Like you said, cricket, third umpire, so that's you know, that is actually out. You need to overturn your decision. Rugby, same thing on a on a try check. And they're they're cool too. They got I mean I mean they they've got quite I mean, you know, they they've got egos, the uh the uh, test match uh um, rugby referees, but they they yeah. don't have a problem with it either, do they? They're a team. That's the point. What they want to yeah. do is get the right flaming decision. Why do we have a problem with that in football? It's crazy. I don't understand it. I mean, I didn't actually think there was that. So, um, the the James Red card annoyed me more than than some of the decisions on yeah. Saturday. But it just all it all builds up, and City are the master of the shit house foul where you do it early enough in the play that 
it never really gets pulled. I mean, you see, I have no problem. I mean, you know, by the way, chaps, this is not by any stretch of the imagination trying to make an excuse for why we lost, because I, I, I absolutely, we all agree that City were the much better side on on the Saturday, and, and fair play to them. Um, but I just get really pissed off with the with the you know the appalling standard of refereeing really, and I and it just annoys me. And as I said, I just want to see the right decisions being made and the and the, some consistency. And we just never ever well, seem to get that. What happens last week in the Champions League? The one in, the one referee who makes an utterly stupid, unforgivable cock up, Anthony Taylor. What a bloody surprise! Um, anyway, look. We were saying a bit earlier in in part one, weren't we, Dan? That, or I was anyway. That um, I I actually thought, you know, even even though even though look, City City were the better side. I mean, they 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 bossed us in pretty much every department. But um, the reality is, even though you can make that argument, there's a cigarette paper between these two sides. Really, I think I think Pep Pep worked his tactics out very very well. I can't argue with that. But there is a cigarette paper within these two, and I genuinely feel that until that, and it was a fluky goal, you know, There's, it should have been blocked. It came off the underside of Jorginho's boot. Uh, Mondi was unsighted. I think that's quite a lucky goal. So we were containing them up till then. They weren't creating that many clear-cut chances. I mean, I know we created absolutely bugger all, but they weren't creating that many. I, I actually do think a draw wouldn't wouldn't have been a, an unfair result, really. To be honest, I think it'd been it'd been a lucky result for us. But I think until they scored, Mendy wasn't troubled. Only towards the end of the game, where we were trying to catch on the counter, yeah. they start creating more chance. But I thought you say this will be will be very close between us and City at the season. You know, one of those days, scruffy goal wins a match. Could quite as it gone for nil nil, which I think maybe what Tuchel was trying to go for, trying to go for draw and Nick a win at the end, but. Two of the best sides um, in Europe at the moment, two of the best sides in the Premier League, as, as has been proven by the Champions League final. So I think you know we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts. I'm not. I'm not too worried about the defeat on the weekend. It's one, it's one of those days we've got got it wrong. They got a scruffy goal. End of roll on Southampton. Uh, Alonso almost got that free kick over. You know the one he took towards the end of the game, which has um, uh, hit the head and went out for a corner. And uh, I wish he'd he just missed. Which is slightly more accurate, but he was really upset that he it, it, it hadn't cleared the wall because he hit it really well. And I think if he'd missed that head, the head hadn't been there, it would have gone in. And then we'd have been talking about you know a, um, a decent defensive performance and all right, they were they were on top of us, but we uh, we clawed it back. It would have been one one. So um, there were there's still the odd positive to be had from it i think i'm going to go back to the refs here because i've had a had a um a message from matt young on mixler he says chaps i get you you're unhappy with the standard of refereeing in the pl uh but i find it offensive these are human beings doing the best they can and if you could just hear yourselves i think you would be surprised blaming a ref is like blaming a poor pitch well i think i just said actually matt that I'm not in any way blaming the fact that we lost 1-0 on the ref. I was just basically saying it really pisses me off that we seem to have a very poor quality of refereeing, that we as a, there seems to be a complete lack of consistency, and it just annoys me. I love football, and I want to see the right decisions made, and I don't feel they're made well enough. I, I mean, I don't think, you know, put it this way, I was, I'm being, I've perhaps been a lot more polite now than I was on Saturday when I was screaming and shouting, but that's football, you know, that's what happens inside a stadium. But I don't think we've been offensive. 
I will continue to be offensive about my dislike of the cult of celebrity that surrounds certain referees in this country because it's a load of bullshit. And I make no apologies. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're human beings. We're allowed to criticise them. If they're on the rest of Europe, everybody referees better than we do. Are we, are we supposed to sit back and say, oh, no, no, let's just accept the fact that they're not very good? Is I, that I would welcome a lot of the Champions League referees that we've had in recent years. I would welcome them refereeing in the Premier yeah, League because yeah, completely. they're so much better. Dan? Yeah. This is a billion-dollar entertainment industry. We've got the most abysmal referees at the top level who just are not fit for purpose in many cases. Now, whether that's down to do with the PHMO, whether it's down to do with um, the rules set by is it IFAB, isn't it? That David yeah, is yeah, yeah. But I, but, IFAB's applied across multiple leagues. Yeah. It seems to be seemingly in this country where there is a protection racket around referees. Yeah, and I got... think IFAB's fucking David Ellery, who's mm. we'll know him from 94. I just think these guys are not fit for purpose. You know, they need to be, they're not, not, they're not, they're not unfit. They, they keep up the games, but decision making is just. Selling mistakes week in, week out across the board, not just Chelsea, all teams. All teams. I would join issue with that as well, though, Dan. I don't think they're up, that they're, they're fit enough. I don't think they're no, up with the game enough. Again, the other, other aspect I keep going on about is they're using the, the, the third assist, second assistant, the linesman. They don't, because, you know, I told you that story about having some work done and the guy doing the, the, the work on it was a, a referee's assessor for me. And he said, uh, um, he changed his personality when I talked about referees. He became very like that. And he said, of course, everybody, he said, all the linesmen are deferring to the referee. In other words, they're, they're, they're not important enough for the referee. So the referee makes the decisions without consulting with well, the linesman. Funnily enough, I watched say about a referee and he basically said before the match, only flag for X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like flag for offside, flag for throws, flag for off the ball, but that's it. I don't know anything yeah. else. Yeah, well, that means yeah. a winner, but he's not capable of seeing everything because they're not up with the game enough. Yeah. One positive about Clattenburg was that at least he was right on top of everything because he was the fittest guy there was, but it went to his head because he was clearly the, the best at the time, you know. No, and then he, he got... he, he, just because he wanted to make sure he was on camera the whole time. <laughs> well, you're absolutely oh, right. He certainly, he certainly was that. He certainly was yeah. that. All right. Um, you know, maybe uh, referees aside, I think uh, maybe our luck ran out a bit and we have been getting the rub of the green in some respects. So, you know, maybe we were due one. But uh, I have to say, like I was saying a minute ago, I did think that we were actually doing a very good job of containing them. And uh, my hat is well and truly off to Mondi, Silva, Rudiger and Christensen, who were all absolutely superb again, weren't they, Martin? Yeah, and I'll keep doing this because I'm... Unlike a lot of people, I can actually apologise when I have said something that was blatantly stupid, but I got Andreas Christensen very wrong a good year to well, 18 months ago. I think we ago. all did. We all yeah, did. Yeah, but I, I, I've owned my mis- I'm owning my mistake. I had him I had him halfway out the door, and I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong, because he's a fucking magnificent footballer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, James came off, and there wasn't really that much concern, because we knew Thiago Silva was coming on, as a replacement just shows you where we are with that defence. It's really good. You know, Mendy's, I don't think he's a stopgap anymore. I think that one's out of the door. I think he's Um, world-class, Martin, period. I think, well, you know, we had this, we had this tendency, even in the, you know, the first Mourinho's, we'd sign the players that were just under the world-class bracket and then they would become world-class. You know, I'd say something, you know, the likes of Drogba and then moved up through their time at Chelsea. And I think Mendy could do that here. Mm, I think he probably could. Uh, yeah, long may it continue. I mean, you know, the other thing is we've got a 
we've got a i mean you know it's we seem to be kind of well stacked for them i mean i know we've let a few go but uh silver rudiger christensen chaloba throw dave in the mix as well uh they are they are playing really really well and it's good so let's hope they keep that up um i mean actually we mentioned reese didn't we and i i it was a blow i think that he i think it was actually more of a blow to any attacking intent that we had uh jk really when reese james yeah, came as off. I, said, I think as i said earlier i think that was uh another major problem because it meant that um uh, dave had to move out didn't it and then he brought um uh who did he bring on instead silver didn't he bring silver on? yes yeah yeah and, and you know, and I th- there's a discussion about whether the silver should be playing on Tuesday. Well, he hardly played, so I would play silver. And silver, once again, silver played out of his skin. Silver's a magnificent player, absolutely yeah. wonderful, wonderful. He still um, is but, world class, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. But it, it destroyed the structure of the side, you know. I think because it would have been intriguing to see what um, how the second half would have gone with uh, with 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 Rhys James. What what did he do? Do we know what how he injured? What what he injured? He's got a high a high level ankle sprain. He could be out for about six weeks, they said, although they, yeah. obviously nobody knows yet because they don't know the extent of it. But I read something somewhere, somebody who knows about these kind of injuries was giving a timeline and, and he could be out for as much as six weeks, which that would be a blow because I think for, for Reese James, obviously himself, but for us, because I, I really do think, you know, he offers a lot more uh, as the right wing back than Dave does, much as I love Dave, but... So he could be out, but we've got a few. I mean, John, I think it was Jake. One of you were mentioning we've got to getting a picking up a few injuries at the moment. Um, who else has uh, got a knock? Well, Conte obviously. Uh, Jorginho got a knock. Silver was carrying an injury. Mount's injured. Pulisic is out. What's Mount's injury, Chidge? He's got something to do with an ankle again, isn't it, or something? Or is it a muscle injury? I, I don't know. I think someone said if he was if the game was on Sunday, he would have played. Yeah. They they so think not. he may be fit for Juventus, but they, it's touch and go. Apparently, there's not he's not a definite for Wednesday, so it's an irritating one. Um, what I wanted to ask actually, Dan, was um, you know, given Reese is out for possibly a few weeks, do you think do you think uh, Hudson Odoi might get a go as the right wing back? I, well, I've just actually said if you look at our next six seven games aside from Juventus, there's sort of game where Callum might actually get some really good times going forward because on paper they're generally what you think are more winnable matches. We haven't got any real tough challenges there. So yeah, maybe Callum should get some game time. Get you know, if he gets six, seven games, might actually see him find a bit of form. Mm. So I don't think he'll play Aspie there all the time. I think Callum's got a real opportunity here. Yeah. But Martin, would you agree with that? Yeah, well, I think I'm still a bit dubious about him playing right wing back, but games coming up are the ones that where he will be allowed comparative freedom to play on that flank. So mm. it's kind of an interesting point, isn't it? Because the the thought occurred to me I mean, I, I'm sure I read it somewhere, but Tuchel kind of, uh, you know, knew Silva was carrying a knock. He knew Kante was still, you know, a bit sick. And I'm just wondering if, if it says to me, does he really, you know, we've said that we've had this conversation many a time over the last few years, but does he really trust the, you know, the players who are not what we would say the the, the first 13, shall we say? Does he really trust the other players that he can throw in? And I mean, I think we're about to find out, aren't we, J.K.? Well, it's this thing, isn't it? Of, of we, I keep going back about Kenyon saying, you know, you want two world-class players for every, every position. And uh, only a year ago, we were saying, let's get rid of most of the squad. So um, uh, I wonder whether whether you now say, actually, we now have got, has he made them into world-class players? Or... Um, um, do we do we now have 
I don't know, six world-class players. It's a question of, you know, they win the Champions League. There's clearly a lot of, of improvement gone on. So, um, um, but it just might be that some of them aren't playing well enough. I mean, I was intrigued to see, I felt that, uh, that Chilwell would have coped better with the situation than Alonso. Um, but is it, it's a Chilwell that we're talking about at the end of last season. We're not talking about the Chilwell of this season, who was relatively anonymous against Villa during the week. So perhaps uh, Alonso is the better player, but was found out because all he could do was defend uh, in the game because City was so fantastic with the press. But um, uh, he came more into his own in the second half when, as I think as, uh, as Tuchel said, we then um, started taking risks. And you do need to take the odd risk. I mean, there were a couple of occasions when we were just two versus two, and yet we dealt with it because they're good enough to deal with that. And you then think, well, perhaps we were a little bit pusillanimous in the first half. We were a bit uh, incapable of pushing on when we should have actually taken more chances. And I think that was a, that's a mental thing. I think, as Tuchel said, I don't think we were as um, in, engaged in winning the game as we should have been. Dan? A two points I think Tuchel said about Loftus Cheek. It's not a gift. He's earned this. And with yeah. Chiu, I think Chiu has just come back from the international breaks. I think you can't really judge him based on, you know, uh, a scratch team against our Villa. I think Chiu has got will, will probably get his place back from Alonso. I think over the next few weeks. But I think no, I think the players are in there on merit. Callum's got to earn his place. Loftus Cheek in two games has done a lot more than Callum's done in the last dozen games. That's what, you know he's just got to prove himself when he gets a chance. Got to have that desire and that hunger. To really want to say, right, you can't drop me because I'm undroppable. But do, do you think Tuchel trusts those some of the players in the squad that we're talking about to be able to come in and do a job for him? Yeah, I gonna, think, he's going to need them, Dan. I think he trusts them all. I think he's got belief in all the players. All but right. like I said, we lost a cheek. Lost a cheek's fought his way back into the team. His words were, "This you know, Ruben playing is not a gift. This is Ruben's hard work." So I believe that if they put the, the shift in, they'll they'll he'll trust them. He's not afraid to make a choice like when he picked, he bought on Callum at Southampton last year and took him off again in half an hour. So he's not afraid to make statement substitutions. So I, I think he's got the, the reading of the team spot on. Mm. Well, we will see. Time will. So, Martin, did you want to come in? No, nope. not really. No, you, were scra- <laughs> you were just scratching your nose. That's perfectly yes. fine. Um, all right, let's just kind of wrap this up then. Um, City played very, very well. They are clearly a good side, and yet they're a side that can draw nil-nil at home to Southampton. My feelings on this overall are that Pep, particularly, and City were absolutely determined to win this. They, in a sense, they were they were playing the Champions League final three months late. They're really sore about the fact that we we beat them and the way that we beat them. Uh, and they just didn't want to lose this match, and they did everything they could. They pulled out all the stops, and when you've got a good team that's completely focused and they put out all the stops, they're a tough nut to crack. And yet, as I said, I think, you know, had we got a draw out of that, um, it wouldn't have been the biggest, you know, robbery since the Great Train robbery. So I think that actually says it all. Um, although I agree with Tuchel that says we were a bit we were a bit cautious and we kind of played as if we had something to lose. But like Dan said earlier on, I mean, you know, that was City's Cup final for me, in a way. And uh, I don't think it'll any way, it will not define our season. And I don't think it'll define who wins the title this season either, Dan. No, not at all. And I think Pep was not going to lose four games in a row to Thomas Tuchel, just from professional pride yeah. and his own ego. So no, this listen, it was, it was a 1-0 defeat. Liverpool, you expect them to beat Brentford, they didn't. 
you've expected Man U to beat Aston Villa at home. They didn't. We're not that much worse off. Well, you would have expected than... City to beat Southampton at home, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's why it's going to be a weird old season. Listen, we, we are after, what, we eight games in? Seven games in? Six. Six, six games in. I mean, you think we Liverpool, hardest away game out of the way, got a point. One at Spurs, one at Arsenal. Lost to a very good Man City side. I think I'm not. I'm just very happy with the start we've made. Mm. Martin? Much the same. I mean, Liverpool are playing Man City next weekend. So, they draw, we beat Southampton. Not a given, seeing as what they've done earlier this season. And no no damage done. It's six yeah. game in. It's the sixth game. It was the sixth game of the season last Saturday. It wasn't the 26th. So, no, no panic yet. No, yeah. absolutely. JK, you would agree? No, I'm bitterly disappointed. And we need to win every game by at least three goals. Only three? Well, that's unlike you. You've got a, got a bit of FIFA fanboy, haven't you? Completely. Tuchel yeah. out, mate. He's hashtag two. Jonathan Tuchel out, hashtag Tuchel out kid. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, let's get. Um, who can we get in? Um, uh, got, we can't have Benitez anymore. He's gone. What the Chino? Uh, Ole. 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 Okay, on that uh, rather surreal twist from Mr. Kidd, uh, we've got a couple of plugs to get to do before we go to a break. One of them, of course, is the Chelsea Supporters Trust, of which Dan is now the, uh, the well, the ever-popular mouthpiece of, I would say. He's the public face of the Trust these days. They, they, they've got a much better-looking face than the one they had before. I can't think who that was. Oh, it was me, yeah, wasn't that. it? Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's what I always used to say. Now, if you want to join the trust, always a good time to join the trust. Uh, and it costs five quid to be a member, uh, which means you get to vote, uh, have a say on lots of important issues. You know, usual kind of fare, like the ticket prices, kickoff times, all the things that irritate us that we'd like to see sorted out. European Super League was another big one, wasn't it? Um, and as I said, you get to go to the meetings, vote in the elections, and there will be uh, an annual general meeting coming up. I think it's when is it, Dan? October the ninth. Uh, yeah, it's National Break Weekend. Yeah, so there we go. So there's an AGM then, which if you're a member, you're more than entitled to come along to, uh, and uh, you can you can put forward your, your own motion if you want. Uh, if you, you if you're a member, you will have had the email about this. So just read that and it'll tell you what to do but you also get a lovely uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust badge so if you want to go to ChelseaSupportersTrust.com you can sign up there it's very simple to do and of course the Chelsea Pitch Owners is another thing that uh, you really need to be doing uh, getting yourself a CPO share which means you will have a share of the freehold of the stadium and protect it from being sold uh, to any rapacious property developer or their like in the future and of course more importantly it means that Stamford Bridge uh, and football will be played there forever uh, now the shares I think have gone up again. They've got they've kind of got rid of the cheap shares. They're all about hundred quid. But don't let that deter you. Uh, if you want to spend more, you can get like a signed one in a frame, signed by a player or the manager, uh, or you can get it presented on the pitch, and that costs you a bit more. But basically, around a hundred quid will get you a share, and uh, they're well worth getting. So just go to the Chelsea website and search for Chelsea pitch owners, and they will tell you how. Uh, now after the break, uh, we're going to be. Uh, we've got got a couple of fantastic emails actually. One of them is hugely long, and thankfully Jonathan will be reading it, not me. But he oh. will he will be doing it more justice. And of course, we will have the results of this week's fannies, which have been up on the Twitter polls uh, for the City game. So don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. 
Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Mr. Stanford Chidge, and uh, down below, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. According to me, I'm up here. Actually. Well, according to me, you're below, right below me. You're right down there. Oh, that's why you keep pointing at me like that. Yeah, you're down oh, there. Martin okay. is there, and Dan yeah. is down there for me. No, you're you're there. Dan is there. And Martin is. And Martin is is. Uh, Doesn't know where the fuck he is. <laughs> they're there. They're there. They're there. <laughs> Well, there we go. We've surreally managed to introduce everybody by doing that. So, uh, but always good to have Martin and Dan on the show together. And uh, as I said, it was quite quite a wonderful bit of serendipity that we're reuniting the uh, the drunkards in the Atlas Pub, which was where we all were on Saturday afternoon with the lovely, delightful Brian Wolf. And we we really we really should say uh, how brilliant it's been seeing Brian over from Chicago and sending big love to him and all the Chelsea and Chicago mob as well and and hopefully he'll get back really really soon because it's just great seeing him and uh we also need to have a big shout out shout out for dane and he knows why and i will be talking to him about that at some stage uh, i'll say no more about it on air dan's nodding wistfully he knows what i mean yeah uh he's a very lovely boy but a very naughty boy so i need to have a word with him and sort something out and um actually while i'm at it because I, I often say this don't i, I say that i shall definitely give people a shout out who i randomly bump into uh at the match and i bumped into quite a few actually on saturday i saw the i, I basically saw you know the other week i said i'm I, I met this bloke and i didn't quite catch his name and his name is rabbi and rabbi is what i didn't know rabbi is actually cammy's brother i met the legendary cammy on uh on saturday at the stall it was great to see those two uh i've already mentioned chuckles and paul mcavoy uh, but I really also enjoyed meeting David Branch, who I, I know on Twitter, who's a lovely chap on Twitter. Um, stupidly, I hadn't twigged that David's actually Scottish, but he came and said hello to me in the cock, and he's a really lovely bloke, so it was nice to see him. Um, Loza, of course, good old Loza from The Beautiful Game, has had hello in the cock. Um, and uh, and uh, the guy on the table with um, with uh, Brian, Scott, he was a great bloke. I really enjoyed meeting Scott all day. He was great fun. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. yeah he's a really nice guy. Lovely bloke, and and he was my my partner in crime in getting the shots going round because nobody else was keen. So, uh, it, it I, I can blame Scott for my hangover, but he was a top top bloke. Uh, and last but by no means least, I also met the wonderful Eric from Germany. I didn't really realize he was that Eric Martin, but uh, I had a lovely chat with him. He's a really nice lad too. So it was a really good day for meeting a load of people I haven't seen before or kind of new from Twitter, and that's the beauty of going to the bridge. And of course, the lovely that. Alex was there as of well. Of course, yeah. Well, I, I didn't think I needed to mention her because she's part of our mob. But uh, actually, you're right. I haven't seen her for a while, so it's really lovely to see her too. So there you go. Now, it was a great, great afternoon. Really enjoyed it. Anyway, enough of me prattling on about people I saw on Saturday. Uh, we've got a lovely email from somebody we know very well, JK. From Mr. Donald Foley. He's in here tonight too. In Hello, Donal. Hello, mate. Um, Chidgy, kid. And associates. That's uh, Wickham and Silver. Pin your ears back because this is serious. None of your midshipman bayou pseudo cultural whimsy bollocks tonight, me old Chinas. No, this is a tale of modern football fandom, a bitter recent experience suffered by myself and the sun and air, heretofore referred to as the S and H at the iron-gloved hand of the security apparatchiks who are taking over our beloved club. 
Now, no documentary on the military life, be it Marines, French Foreign Legion, Parachute Regiment, is complete without a troop of pasty-faced youths, their thin, knobbly legs buckling as they stagger around some godforsaken corner of obscurity with the equivalent of a small bungalow on their backs. In My Fair Lady, as Audrey Hepburn prepares to sing Wouldn't It Be Lavalet, numerous market porters shoulder sacks in the background. Paul Robeson sings Old Man River in showboat as stevedores tote bales of cotton. Names like Louis Vuitton conjure images of luxuriant fur-coated wealthy types boarding a cruise ship or the Orient Express with a cohort of porters trolleying their beautifully handcrafted leather luggage behind them. Their backs remain unbent, even when they go mountaineering or exploring the Orinoco, there are Sherpas or local people to bear the burden. These examples are evidence, I think, that putting something on your back and carrying it or paying someone else to do it is central to our cultural and lived experience. Baggage, people. We all carry baggage. Some of it overwhelms us. Some of it is a mere irritant. Some of it defines us. The rest is just a necessity to be coped with. And so on Wednesday evening, myself and the SNH made our way towards Stamford Bridge, rucksacks on our backs, he from school, me from work. We had no choice but to bring these with us. No matter though, I had done the same for many an evening game in years gone by. Having paused our journey for a meal, we came unto the home of Europe's champions, fed and watered, ready to enjoy the beautiful game. Game doesn't start for an hour early for once, I remarked. I think we'll go straight to our seats. I don't fancy the crush under the yeast stand just to get a drink. For yes, dear reader, we had tickets right up the back of the east stand and in these COVID times being pressed against the nasal hairs of a fellow fan, all for the sake of what passes for a beer, is best avoided, I feel. And so we passed the first row of stewarding near the Millennium Hotel and headed for the ramp up to the east stand. As is usual, there was a second phalanx of stewards and we prepared to have our bags searched. The SNH proffered his unzipped backpack. The casual rummage commenced only for the dread words to be uttered by an adjacent colleague. That bag is larger than A4. You have to take it back to near the millennium. Well, you could imagine the slight irritation that caused, but we assumed that for some reason these bags had to be searched on one of the tables they have there. Ah... If only that were true. For once there, we were further directed to a queue tailing back from a mobile unit that we quickly realised was some sort of left luggage location. Now, I can see how useful such a provision would be if you, for whatever reason, have come to the game with travelling luggage like the small suitcase brandished by the chap ahead of us in this queue. I say queue, but if you were asked to define a queue, one of the, one of the properties inherent in such a thing is movement. It is an orderly means whereby one makes progress as each person in said queue avails themselves of whatever facility or service is offered at the business end of the line. Movement, detectable by the human eye, was not a property apparent in this collection of motley, burden-bearing individuals. A good 40 minutes passed between joining the queue and arriving at the service point. There were two persons engaged in taking the bags and one whose task was to write down 
a certain amount of personal information. Now, I don't know how familiar any of you are with theories of organizational methods, workflows, just-in-time planning, etc. Or perhaps you have worked in a left luggage cloakroom or coat check, but I'm guessing you may have already noted a fatal flaw at the heart of this enterprise. Yes, yes, while it takes moments to take a bag and hand over a number tag, it takes longer to interrogate someone for their name and phone number while writing said information legibly and in long hand. So doing the maths, Twice as many bags are handed in as there are means to note the are handed in as there are means to note the owner's details. Result: this shit show. <laughs> now I'm by nature a rather diffident individual who always wants to avoid fuss and confrontation. I live by the precept: you shouldn't make life difficult for people who are only doing their job and cannot of themselves affect a significant change in your circumstances. The rider here is that they, in their turn, should treat you with respect too. But this was a farcical situation as someone as someone needed to ask questions. And so despite myself and to the obvious embarrassment of the SNH, an equally reserved and diffident individual, I loudly inquired of those attending on us as to when this rule had been introduced. This season was the answer. I then asked if they thought it sensible to not advertise this on the ticket. Ah, yes, the ticket you yourself now print off. Chelsea FC, having cleverly passed responsibility for procuring paper and ink to us, the fans. The response suggested that the frontline operatives were not in command of facts relating to the subtleties of policy implementation. And to be fair, they had a point. So I gave up. The fact that you're standing on the ground also makes successful debating difficult by virtue of the fact they're within the vehicle and the consequent height advantage means they are literally, if not metaphorically, looking down on you. We hurried back towards the east stand, but I did notice that despite moving slowly, the queue for the luggage depository had not significantly lengthened. The reason for that soon became apparent when we got to the security line, for there was the self-same operative rummaging through a bag of equivalent size to ours before waving the owner through. What had happened to the bag size edict? I hear you cry. Well, anticipating just such a question with my dander very much up, I walked up to a supervisor and inquired why they'd stopped me taking through a normal sized rucksack 40 minutes ago, but any Johnny come lately could wander up now and be let through. Listener, you will be surprised to hear that his answer lacked logic and coherence. Apparently, his personnel had to use their initiative and he couldn't ensure that they carried out instructions in a consistent fashion. Consistency. It's not just the refereeing where this problem bedevils football, it would seem. I ventured that perhaps as we were now near kickoff and they would have problems turning lots of people away to rid themselves of their burden, they were no longer bothering. A straight answer was not forthcoming. I sensed the SNH was becoming concerned about my volubility around figures in authority and was fearing he would have at some point been forced with the appropriate level of mockney to utter the immortal words, leave it, dad, they're not worth it. 
So we left the scene and searched out our seats. Game time was approaching. It was time to put the frustrations of the evening behind us. A man then sat down next to me, placed his bag on the floor. It was one of those retro style shoulder bags beloved of Adidas and others. While he was looking at the warm-up on the pitch, I surreptitiously unfolded my A4 paper ticket and measured it against the bag to the amusement of the S&H. You will not be surprised <laughs> that it was somewhat larger. Even as the game began, more and more late arrivals climbed up the stand, brandishing their rucksacks as though to mock us. But the game was on now, and there were more important matters to be attending to. To keep this short... <sighs> And to the point, we enjoyed the game, the performance and the result. I had contemplated leaving before the penalties to get in the queue for luggage retrieval and hopefully steal a march. But I just didn't have it in me. I had to watch. I'm a fan after all, not a visitor, a customer or patron. I'll accept punter in certain circumstances, but not match goer. There for the match day experience. I am a fan. Any road up, as we say in the world of carriageway repairs, to keep this short and to the point, we collected our bags post-match with a wait of about 20 minutes, as the S&H observed. If they'd really imposed the rule properly, they'd have needed at least three of those mobile units. Now, there's enough queuing at petrol stations, ports and the like these days, and one doesn't want to be political, but all this smacks of Britain's current predilection for big, ill-thought-out gestures, unsupported by the necessary detail to implement it. I fully understand health and safety and the assessment of risk. If there's an overwhelming reason for ensuring that means of ingress and egress from the narrow rows of seating aren't hampered by personal, the means is, is not hampered by personal baggage, well, fine. But if someone has identified such a problem, particularly for midweek games, then it is beholden on them to plan it properly in the real world and not issue an edict and trust that security contractors will implement it. The whole process is so half-assed, it only adds to the perception common in many areas of life that empires get built and become self-justifying. It's important that we're safe to enjoy our football, but we're also entitled to believe that the object of the exercise is that the process should serve us and not the other way around. Printing your own tickets, size restriction on bags, it feels like the club is peopled <laughs> by former employees of Ryanair. I remain, as ever, your loyal listener. Goodness gracious me, Mr Foley. I hope, I hope you feel better for that. Uh, it sounds like you needed to... Uh, to uh, yes, extra, get it, get extricate it, it, extricate it, it from your person, mate. It, it saved his MP a bollocking in the next post. Oh. Anyway... Well, I think I should send this to Guy Lawrence, actually. Can I do that, Donal? I'm sure he'd love to. He probably just about managed to read all, all the way through it. Some, and Bruce, some, it Bruce some Buck. of the long words might trouble him, obviously. But uh, Well, it does, it does hit a wider point, though, in that there are certain elements of getting into the ground at the moment that are very much make it up as you go along. And I think the bag check's obviously one of them by the sound of it. COVID checks. COVID, well, the COVID check is like a waste of a waste of time because they're not scanning the codes and yeah i think they, they have this they have to be seen to be doing certain things but you should try and do them correctly otherwise it's a waste of time yeah um i mean there's some very interesting points coming out on 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 mixley you would not be surprised to hear 
I was about to say, Martin, well, we can blame Wembley for this because, of course, Wembley have been doing this for a long time. Of course, clubs you haven't been to Wembley for a long time won't know this, but obviously we do. Um, but actually, uh, Nathan, the dear old Nathan from the Chelsea Grove Society, uh, who I'm sure I also saw on Saturday. Did I not, Nathan? I'm sure I saw you among my wanderings. Anyway, um, it was brought in as a result of the, the findings of the Manchester Arena bombings. Uh, so there we go. Uh, Don- Donal says catharsis, JK. So he feels better, I think. And uh, Daryl says, uh, yeah, Nathan says, I did see him. I-, I-, I must have seen you when I was relatively sober. So, you know, apologies for not being with it. Anyway, Daryl says, stewards have had mares lately. Zenit game, some fans missed 25 minutes of the game. Villa Cup game, I was 10 minutes missed. No signage to direct people who didn't know where to go. Yeah, I have to be honest. Daryl, that's one of my massive bugbears about cup games. For some reason, now I, I sit right on the penultimate row, almost the back row of Matthew Harding stand in the corner, gate 17. So why is it that my row becomes a fucking thoroughfare for people who go into the wrong gate in Math- the Matthew Harding end to get to the east stand? I don't understand how that... I think somebody just hates me and says, oh, no, no, tell you what, go the long way round and go through row S just to piss Chidge off. I think that's what goes on. Because it makes no bloody sense. But, yeah, people not having a clue where they're going, which is a bit of a curmudgeonly thing, because, I mean, I, I know where I'm going because I've sat there for 20 years, but just because if you've never been there before, why on earth should you? So I'm just being a miserable Chidge are there to tell you where to go. The steward should be directing them to the proper gate. But I think that's what happens. I think they come in through the Matthew Harding... Uh, entrance at the at the back uh, yeah. and then they find out that they're actually sitting in the east stand or in gate 17 so they, they go oh, well, you go go through the last last exit and then you walk up there and then you yeah walk past chidge because it'll piss him off and then you can get to where you're going i think that's what happens but anyway as i said i'm just an old curmudgeon anyway donal lovely to hear from you mate uh shame i haven't seen you uh, again it'd be nice to catch up with you and have a have a beer or three Oh, that's right. Nathan's reminded me. He says, I was on my way to the toilet in the Atlas. Yes, I was completely battered by then, mate. So I was hardly compass mentis. So that's, that's, that accounts for my short-term memory loss. But it was good to see you. And I do remember saying hello. Anyway, we've got enough, one more email this week. Uh, donors were so long, we don't have time for any others. So uh, Andrew Bailey, good old Andrew Bailey down in Melbourne. He says, good morning, Stanford Chiz, JK and esteemed panel of guests. Not the best performance from the boys. They seem strangely flat, which is weird considering most were rested for the Villa game. The midfield had the look of what we would have on the pitch to close a game out. Pep was hoping for that sort of showing from De Bruyne back in May. He's too good a player to not exact some sort of revenge for the poor showing City put out in May. Good point, Andrew. Uh, It really showed how easily our press falls down without Mason Mount on the pitch to lead and trigger the press. We won't play that badly for a whole hour again this season, and our lack of goal threat was baffling. Well, I, I hope I agree about Mount, as we all do, uh, and I hope we explain why we thought uh, our attack was non-existent. Um, Thomas Tuchel may be presented with a dilemma very soon in the shape of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He uh, warmed it warmed my heart to see Ruben come on. Uh, and for the first time he touches the ball, he leaves a City player face down on the turf. With so many similar players in our midfield set up, he can hopefully be a difference maker. We all know the attributes he possesses. I, for one, still think he can be a very valuable option as the season progresses. Anyway, we've had a fairly tough start to the season. Now we have two months of, by our standard, very winnable games. So hopefully we can relax a bit and the champions of Europe can put a bit of distance between ourselves and the rest of the league. Keep up the good work and thanks for everything you do. From earthquake-ravaged Melbourne, Andrew Bailey, a.k.a. Little Gaffer. 
because of course he's he's Gary Garfield Bailey's brother, younger brother. Um, mate, love. Well, I think we we've already said most of the points you made, and so therefore clearly we agree with everything you said, as we often do. Um, mate, I had no idea. Excuse me, people. Uh, earthquake in Melbourne? What's going on here? I didn't know about that. Used to me as well. Yeah. They're, they're all, mate, draw- yeah. They're all- no, no, no fuel here. Earthquakes in Melbourne. What the fuck's yeah, going on? The apocalypse, mate. Uh, well, mate, I, I had no idea. Anybody that we know down under, I'm sorry to hear that, and I hope you're all well. Clearly, obviously, but uh, our thoughts are with you all, and particularly you, Andrew. Always lovely to hear from you, mate. Right, it is. It is that time. It is time for the fannies this week, and uh, the nominations were for man of the match. They were Mendy, Silver, and Christensen. Right. You should have a sting, kid, shouldn't you? I think you should. You should create one. Oh, I shall. You've got the you've got the means. I have. You've got the voice. I have. And you've got the fucked up shit in your head to make it brilliant. Always the fucked up shit. It's the key to comedy, mate. A comedian told me that once, and he would know. Uh, okay, so there we go. You're going to get a sting for the fannies from dear old J.K. Anyway, the nominations for Man of the Match were Mendy, Silver, Christensen. Uh, Jonathan, who would have you voted for? Mondi. Mondi. Dan? Mondi. Mondi. Martin? Yeah, I'd go for Mendy as well. Well, I actually went for Mondi too, as as did most of the other people. He won with 72% on Twitter. Uh, Silver got 10%. Christensen got 8%. 18%, sorry. So that's... Uh, uh, a bit of a shoe in that one now the next one was for the celery moment which as we all know is a bit esoteric uh, uh, these of course are as you know by now if you're in our discord group which if you you know signed up to Patreon or if you're in the Premier League predictions Premier Predictions League uh, then you get to be on our discord group so they actually put these all in and nominate things that they see in the match and I have to say they're brilliant at doing that and I love them for it because it doesn't often make my life a lot simpler uh, but this week, two of theirs and one of mine, okay? So Aspie knocking Reese over, they, that that made them laugh. Uh, Christensen hugging Kevin De Bruyne. If you kind of remember, he kind of hugged him and then like put his hand, hands up so the referee didn't notice, but the referee did notice, actually. I think he might have booked him, actually. And the last one is I was very enamoured of the proper Chelsea-ness of the Pride of London, new Pride of London banner with two gold stars, indicating uh, we have won it twice just to piss off City a little bit more uh, I love that um, but what do I know uh, actually this was really close okay so in third place Pride of, Pride of London 30% Christensen 32% and Aspie knocking Reese over 38% so JK what would you have gone for Pride of London banner Pride of London banner like what I did like what I did because we're yeah. proper mate that's why yeah. proper. Dan uh, banner as well. Yes. Martin? Banner because I wasn't aware of the other two. <laughs> well, that's, that, it's okay. It still counts, Martin. So there we go. Well, you know what we thought, but we obviously would have lost. Now, the last one, of course, is the Guinness moment. And for this one, these are the moments that made people feel sexual. And again, there's a bit of... I, I've chucked one in and they, they did two. Silver's goal line clearance, which was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Ruben's run that I mentioned earlier where he just kept on going and a, a City player tried to chop him down and he kind of hurdled over him and it was it made me feel very aroused uh, but I also I did actually spot this at the time but Rubenson did uh, Rubenson Ruben did this flick to Christensen we kind of like back heeled it in a kind of peculiar way and it was again a moment of uh, huge sexual arousal for me so there we go uh, Jonathan what would you have gone for um, I actually thought that Silver's goal line clearance was the uh, the great moment where I almost came. Mm. 
long as it was almost. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been different from a, a Guinness moment if it. Happened. I went. Oh, 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 oh. Not now. Not now. Think of Arsenal. No. Anyway, uh, Martin, what, what would you have gone for? Uh, Ruben's run, and I'm keeping the levels of tumescence to myself. Good. Uh, that's quite. That's how I prefer it. And Dan. Uh, silver. So it was just brilliant. Yeah. Well, I, I went for Ruben's run because I, I just really did feel very aroused when I saw that. But twelve uh, percent went for his flick to Christensen, thirty-six percent went for his run, and fifty-two percent went for Silver's goal line clearance. <laughs> yeah, so well done, uh, well done everybody who voted. Always enjoy doing that. Well done to the Discord people for putting the nominations in, and there'll be more fannies next Monday for the Southampton match. So there you go, and maybe, maybe a sting for Jonathan from Jonathan. Not the live show, but the edited podcast, that's for sure. Right. Uh, after this very short break, we are going to be previewing uh, Wednesday night's match, which, of course, is Juventus versus, uh, Juventus versus Chelsea, because we are, in fact, away. Anyway, we'll see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge with the uh, wonderful uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And Dan Silver. Hello. And Martin Wickham. Buongiorno. Who's doing very well because uh, he's got a stinking cold, poor old Martin. Got, yeah, and half my lungs are about to fly yeah. out my mouth. <laughs> well, I'm, so I'm really feel sorry for you, mate. It's not, not good. Anyway, we've got Juventus uh, on uh, Wednesday. Now, you would probably normally be going, wouldn't you, Martin? Uh, normally I would, but my work situation is absolutely slammed. So even without COVID, it would have been unlikely, yeah. um, which is a bit of a disappointment, but it is what it is. It's um, There's a few people... I mean, we haven't... <sighs> What's the what's the situation? Are we allowed out there or what? I think, I think we are. I mean, I've certainly seen a uh, Ramsey and one or two others filling in the relevant details and tweeting about what you needed to do. But I don't know. I don't know if the number of hoops would make it prohibitive financially to do it. I don't know if you need to test there, test back, or that bollocks we have to go through in Porto. I don't know if that's relaxed a little bit, but and there's also the question of allocation. Yeah, which is not a lot, is it? No, because Italy isn't back to full capacity in their stadiums yet. Yeah, so there we go. Fair play for those of you who are making it out there and stay safe, obviously. I mean, it's a shame because, I mean, under normal times, this would have been a real must-go-to match, and I think a lot of us would have gone out there, but uh, there you go. Um Okay, let's let's. There's a lot to talk about actually with this because I've done some homework for a change. But it's a big match, this, and it's a you know there's a lot to be said. Let's start with the team selection first. Uh, as you all know, I've gone for what I would call because I I think I think Tuchel will, will go. Mm, this is a tough game, possibly. So I need to put my strongest team out, which I think, taking account of who's fit and who's not, I would say is Mondi, uh, Rudiger, Silva, Christensen. Uh, I think Alonso will still get the nod, actually. Uh, I think if they're both fit, and there's, a, there's an if there, but I think they will be, Jorginho and Kante and Aspilicueta. So I think he'll go 3-4-2-1, basically, not 3-5-2. Uh, Aspi obviously will play right wing back because James is injured. We know he'll be out. Uh, 
it looks like Mount will be touch and go, but if he is fit, I think he'll play Mount. Uh, I actually think he might play Werner. I really do. I've got a hunch, not not Havertz. It's Pulisic training. He said he was I, training. I, no, from from what I understand, he's. I don't think he's fit yet. Okay, right. what I'm what I'm hearing is that he's not fit yet, and Lukaku up top. But I think this side's going to depend a lot more on who's actually fit rather than anything else. What do you think, J.K.? Um, I think you're absolutely correct. I think you'll play Silver because he only played. Um, he didn't play the whole game because um, this big thing about him only playing. Uh, you can't play two games in a week, but I think he played half a game, so he'll play. Um, Christensen's playing out of his skin. Rudiger playing out of his skin. Um, I think he'll play Dave uh, on the right, as you've put. I think he he wants to play Kante because um, he's the cement. Uh, I think he'll play Jorginho instead of Kovacic. You're right. I think he'll play Alonso because, as I said, um, uh, Chilwell didn't play hugely well against Villa. Um and Alonso, despite his um, stuttering performance against City, who because he was having to play so far back all the time, I think um, gets it just because of his uh, his abilities on the ball in the and uh, coming up to the penalty area. And I would um, Mount obviously plays and Lukaku obviously plays, uh, and I'm trying to work out who would play instead of Werner. Um, what's the option? Zayic, Havertz. Havertz. I think he'll play Havertz instead of Werner. Yeah. Dan? Uh, I think he'll play Chilwell instead of Alonso. And I think he'll uh, rest for the team I agree with. I think I think there's a big case uh, for for playing people with pace, given that uh, Bonucci and yourself, Dan, will be playing yeah. for Juventus. <laughs> you know, yeah. they've got a few... But also, Go on. also, they're missing Dybala, which is good for us as well, yeah. I was going to say, actually, you know, because I mean, the, the the latest info I've got is that Pulisic is definitely out, Mount's doubtful, James I think more than doubtful. I'd say he's out, and Jorginho is doubtful. But I think we also know that Silva and Conte are carrying knocks. But you're right. Um, missing for Juventus are Jorge, Arthur, and most importantly, the uh, Dybala. Now that and Morata actually, Morata and Dybala are both out, and Rabiot possibly. Uh, so that, yeah, they've got some real problems. But but Dybala is. I mean, I I I found all these fantastic um, bits of info on betting sites. Would you believe? <laughs> betting sites get their finger out and put their previews up properly. But uh, they're all of the opinion that uh, that that Juventus missing Dybala is an almighty blow to them. Um, because he's 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 been playing well for them, obviously. But I mean, the, the the view from the bookies is that not having Dybala playing actually really tips the odds in Chelsea's favour on a lot of things that I've been reading. So that's a big blow to them. Um, the other thing, of course, is that Morata. We've got a couple of old boys there, Morata, and of course Quadrado, who's now a defender, apparently. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's played, full, he's played a fullback there for a number of years. Yeah, he has, and done all right, I think. But uh, so we've got yeah. two Chelsea old boys there, but Morata won't be playing. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, J.K. <laughs> uh, he'd probably score against us if he was playing, wouldn't he? That seems to be sort of inevitable, really. Well, I've got the ultimate ultimate uh, quiz question uh, here, if I can bloody find it, about Morata. Here we go. Alvaro Morata, who, has scored 20, who scored 24 goals and 72 appearances for Chelsea in all competitions, 
have scored three goals in four UEFA Champions League appearances against the reigning champions, netting twice against Real Madrid in 2014-15 and once against Liverpool in 2019-20. Only one player has scored against the holders in three different seasons, Didier Drogba in 2004-05 versus Porto, 6-7 and 11-12 against Barcelona. Now, um, that, that needs to be also tallied with uh, another stat featuring Didier Drogba, which is if Romelu Lukaku scores on his debut, he scored on his debut for Chelsea in the Champions League and Man United. He's only the second player to score in his first appearance in the competition for two English clubs after Mario Balotelli for Man City and Liverpool. The only two players to score in their first two Champions League games for Chelsea are Didier Drogba and quiz quiz, uh, legend Martin Wickham. And I know you've got the answer, so I suppose you have to. If you, that this will just halfway halfway down the sheet. Did you did it? you read the notes or not? This is when I find out. I skimmed them. I didn't read them. Okay. <laughs> you know or not? No, I've got a clue. Mitchy fucking Batshuayi. Oh, for fuck's sake! Who would have? That is a great quiz quiz question, isn't it? That's a wind up. That's true. <laughs> They're not lying. So I mean, you know, I think actually that that bodes well for us that. That Morata's not playing because I agree with Jonathan because I think that he would he would obviously score against us as all old boys do, um, and uh, well, Quadrado's a worry but he's more of a defender. But I think those injuries, Morata, Dybala, and Rabiot, are a problem for them, which means I think they're going to have to play uh, Dejan Kulusevski, who I have no idea who he is, and uh, and Moise Keane, who of course we do know who he is. He kind of didn't really do anything for Everton when he turned up, so uh, I think. It kind of really, to me, reads advantage Chelsea. However, 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 Juventus have got a decent team, boys. Bonucci and Chiellini, arguably the two best centre-backs in the world, even if they are a bit old. Chiesa, who impressed the shit out of me when he played for Italy in the European Championships. Rabiot, if he's fit, another good player. Uh, Don't discount Aaron Ramsey. I mean, I know he used to play for Arsenal, but he's a decent player. But more worrying, Locatelli, uh, who was... Arguably one of the best midfielders in the in the competition, with uh, our boy Jorginho. Uh, De Ligt is playing in defence, and apparently we're after him. He's a good player, and, and we're after Chiesa as well, though. According yeah, to I've me. heard heard we've been after Chiesa. I like Chiesa. He works his bollocks off as a forward. He really does. like that. He does. Yeah. He does. Uh, and of course, whilst we might all laugh because they've got Suchesny, Suchesny in goal. And he used to get absolutely walloped. I mean, actually, there's another great stat I've got for you on Suchesny in a minute. But obviously, he used to be Arsenal's goalie. But you know, I, they have a habit of coming and biting us on the on the arse, don't they? Um, and, and while you, oh, here we go. Right, this is a great stat. Juventus goalkeeper Suchesny has kept a clean sheet in both of his home matches against Chelsea in all competitions, both with Arsenal in 2012 and 13. Though in his other four games against Chelsea. He conceded 13 goals. <laughs> this, so is what, Juventus, this is so what we, we want. So if we play Juventus the second time around, we'll absolutely thump them. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? Will we? Because I, I, you know, I think this is a this is a tough match, actually. Period. Injuries notwithstanding, and we've got a horrible record in Italy in the Champions League. I forgot about this, but we've only won once out of seven matches. We won one, drawn one, and lost five. So, you know, we've got a pretty ropey uh, record uh, in uh, in Italy. And I think, just reminding myself, we've lost to Juve. I mean, last time we played Juve, of course, was when Robbie Di Matteo got sacked after we got humped 3-0. We lost to Inter, didn't we, when Mourinho was the manager? The only, the only team we beat was Lazio. Yes. Yeah. And that was well, a yeah. long time ago. 
Yeah. Frank Frank scored, didn't he? And Ida. Damien Duff. Yeah, yeah, it's a good match that. But uh, we lost to Roma and we lost to Napoli. So we've got a pretty ropey record over in Italy. And that is what is worrying me, in spite of all the evidence that's coming my way, saying we'll do all right. And and in fact, one of the places that I I looked at predicted that... uh, Actually, I should tell you what they said. They They actually wrote a prediction and they said... Juventus made it back-to-back league, uh, uh, made it back-to-back league wins on Sunday, following up their three-two win at Spezia in midweek with a three-two victory over Sampdoria. But the success came at a cost as Paolo Dybala was forced off in the first half. The Argentines' potential absence on Wednesday is a huge blow. Chelsea's unbeaten league start to the season drew to a close on Saturday. They lost one 0 to Man City. This will be the first time the Blues take on the old lady since uh, 2012, when they lost three 0 to Turin. In Turin, sorry. Given Juventus' poor start to the campaign, though, Chelsea should have what it takes to bounce back from Saturday's disappointment, and they reckon 2-1. But I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, JK. What do you think? Uh, No. No. I'm worried. I'm worried we might not make it out of the group stage. Wow, come on. Seriously? No. I I just wanted to say that to wind you up. It worked almost. Yeah, it always worked. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it might. I think a draw is the more likely result for me. You reckon a draw? Hmm. Mm, yeah, I, I have to be honest. I'm going that way too, actually. What about you, Dan? How do you see it going? I think a draw. I think I, we might see a very similar setup to the um, the City game, possibly. Because I think you know, if you get a, a draw away, the way the hardest away game will be a decent point. And then we've got the back-to-backs from Malmo, which puts us in a very strong position to get in the last two games. So it should be, you know, a draw won't be the worst result. Yeah. I mean, Martin, I'm I'm, I'm thinking a draw, I'll, I'll be honest with you. But I tell you what, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting, won't it? Because, you know, last season, what we did really, really well was not only keeping it tight, but by hitting teams on the break. I mean, Real Madrid, the way we played against them, scared and knocked the shit out of them. So I wouldn't be surprised, bless you. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 he decided to go the other way and try and get a win out there. But I, my guts are telling me a draw. Yeah, I think it'll be the most likely outcome. To be honest with you, um, I think Kulisevsky's actually reasonably decent player as well. So I wouldn't I wouldn't take him too lightly if he does come in. Um, yeah, just get the point. I think we can beat them at Stamford Bridge. I don't have any worries about that. And um, and get get the results we need against Malmo and Zenit. Yes, indeed. The, the, key, the key is not to follow up the loss on Saturday with a poor performance tomorrow night or Wednesday night, excuse me. Mm. So not to have a, a bad result followed by a bad performance. So we do need a reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've got you, we've got Lukaku playing, and he's he's scored against uh, Juventus when he was playing in the uh, the in Serie A for Inter. So. Last time out, so maybe I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it, J.K.? But they might go for it and try and get a win. But I do, I do think a draw is the most likely. So I'm going one-one. You're going one-one. Yeah. Dan, one-one. Nil-nil. Nil-nil. There we yeah. go. I'll, I'll go. I'll go out to the pub then if it's going to be a nil-nil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martin, one-one. One-all. Yeah. One-all. Yeah. There we go. So it'll be interesting to see if that in fact pans out. I mean, either way, it, you know, for me, I think this is the real shame actually that. Um, that we can't go out there because, as I said, this is one of the matches you really want to be at. And Juventus are a proper, proper old uh, European team. So this is a massive, massive match in that respect. And uh, 
Um, I'm not sure I'm able to go for the home home leg, which is really disappointing. But uh, there we go. What can you do? Right. I think we're done. We are done for tonight. And we're almost on time. Hallelujah. How utterly unusual that is. Uh, but do not fear, people. Or you may be delighted. I don't know. But we will be back uh, on Friday. Me, JK and Clayton Beerman in the house uh, for the preview show, previewing the match against Southampton. Uh, Zoom, uh, working, God willing. Uh, but we'll also be looking back at the uh, the match against Juventus on Wednesday. So we'll be having a chat about that too. Uh, don't forget to check out Dean uh, Mears's Went to Mokings Meadow podcast on the Chelsea women's team, which went up today, the review of the brilliant 6-1 thumping of Man United. And that is Dean Mears and Dame Whittle of this parish as well. So there we go. Uh, and uh, of course they and us we're both available on uh, chelseafancast.com acast apple soundcloud spotify and other distributors of podcasts as well and you heard me mentioning patreon earlier um if you uh, want to if you like what we do um then you can become a patron and that helps us cover the uh, cost of running all the shows that we do and hopefully continue doing that and of course if you do do that you get a Kerry Dixon mini banner and uh, you can join our discord group there's no pressure I, I love you all whether you join up or not it's really not an issue but if you do it's lovely that you do uh, and there's no pressure to donate lots it can be a quid here or whatever I don't mind um, and there we go it's easy to do patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast so there you go and of course we love getting your emails as you know um we see it as a as a service, as we did for Donal, to uh, f- provide a space for him to vent his spleen and to feel cathartic afterwards. So uh, we we love to read them out. Send them to ChelseaFanCast at gmail.com and get them in by Sunday. Otherwise, you you'll miss the cut. And of course, you can always get hold of us on Patreon, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You name it, we'll uh, we'll respond. So there you go. Now you can follow the show on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast. Me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid. Uh, Dan at DanSilves73 and Martin at Martin underscore Wickham. And of course, we are at Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. Martin, uh, you've done brilliantly tonight to survive the show, and I'm I'm mightily impressed with that. Well done. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Still breathing. Get some whiskey and honey and lemon down your noodle, and uh, you will feel better, I promise you. Yeah, I promise I need to get up at four, six in the morning. So. Maybe not a good idea then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go and get some rest because you sound like you need it. I hope you feel better soon, yeah. mate. But it's lovely yes, to mate. see you always. Is. Yeah. Uh, Dan, as for you, yes, great. Well, great to see you both on Sunday and JK, in fact, on Sunday, but also lovely to see you back on here as always. Yes, yeah, well, good to be back. It's good fun. Yeah, on to the next one. Absolutely right. That's uh, how they can pull it out of the bag on Wednesday. I'm sure they can. JK, um, there'll be no fan bite from you on Wednesday, sadly. So, uh, uh, are you going? No, but I can do one from the comfort of my armchair. I think you should do it in the style of Roly Barkin. Roly Barkin, he's who? Roly Roly Birkin. Birkin, the uh, fast show. No, I don't. Uh... Google it. Yes, on I, I watch. I watch. Yes. You have to sit in a big leather armchair and. And uh, is he the one who spoke like that? Was it all a little bit like this? Is that it? Yes, is that it? Wasn't it? It's all right. I'll do that. To death by monkey. I'll do that. I'll do that then. Okay. Very, very, yeah. very, very. Dry. Well, no, there will be a fan bite. It will be a fan bite. It'll be from the um, all right, it'll be watching the telly. Okay, well, I look forward to that. That's a bonus. Didn't expect that at all. Anyway, mate, good to see you. Lovely to see you on uh, Saturday, of course. And uh, you and I will reconvene on Friday. <laughs> Friday, Zoom, Zoom willing. Yeah, well, I think if that happens again, we go immediately to uh, 
to Skype, although I couldn't even get into... Well, I don't know why that was complicated, but anyway, we'll do that next time. If That's our plan B. I'll read the pet. All right. Lovely. Well, look, good to see you boys. Absolutely brilliant to see everybody in uh, in Mixler. As always, you're all top people. Very, very lovely to see you as always. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it careful, and keep it chills. Oh, oh,